0: Party people, I'm Shama. And I'm Tiffany. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Chai, Chai Tea Party. Party. We are a podcast that recognizes the underdogs, the brave, the creative, and the slightly off in the Daisy community. We may talk about a controversial topic, but in no way are we trying to be disrespectful. The views of Chai Tea Party may not always reflect the views of the guests we interview. We like to create a safe space with our listeners and our guests. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode! I know. <laughs> okay. Was a journey, you know. on today's episode we have Jessie brar she's working to create more awareness about mental health especially in the youth and south asian communities she works as a speaker for a national youth organization called jack.org raising awareness for youth mental health in high schools colleges and universities she also runs her own project called the mental health spotlight which focuses on raising awareness about south asian mental health through storytelling please welcome jesse brar hello (laughs) welcome this has been a long time in the making Mm -hmm. so i'm very glad we finally get to do this and actually talk to you uh because you have a really interesting story and i see you like blowing up uh, on instagram and like just i see your stuff all the time which is great because you're you know you guys are out there and you're proactive which is Mm -hmm. awesome thank you yeah yeah, yeah, it's been pretty, like, quick, I guess. I, we've only mm-hmm. kind of been doing this for a few months now, but it's amazing to see the response we've been getting and getting in touch with people like yourselves and mm-hmm. other magazines and other articles, podcasts, and so it's been really amazing, a lot at once, but I'm mm-hmm. loving it. That, <laughs> that's that's, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah, so we'll get to that part a little bit later in the show. Um, first, we want to, like, let people know who you are, where you're from, so... Um. Where did you grow up? Where were you born? Yeah. So I'm from, uh, I guess the Toronto, Canada area. Um, for anyone outside of Canada, that's kind of all you really need to know. Uh, it's really hard to kind of get into the nitty gritty of all the different towns I've lived in. Um, so born and raised in Canada. Um. And my mom, uh, so she loves moving, so I've been <laughs> in like, every single corner of Toronto possible. I've been all over the place, um, and then I also love to travel, so I had a few um, years where I was living in California, living in Texas, um, oh, wow. so I've been a little bit all over the place, but yeah. Cool. So, um, did you grow up in all these different places, or did you kind of grow up in one area? Like how? Um, when were so you Hmm. So I grew up in a few different um towns, mostly in the Toronto area. So, um, growing up, my parents um at first they were together and living together, and we were living in Mississauga. And then when my parents separated, um, my my mom and my siblings, we actually moved to Brampton, and then from there we moved to Caledon and then I moved away for school. So mm-hmm. I've been moving basically like every couple of years but um I love it because I always get to meet so many great new people Mm -hmm. so many new experiences constantly kind of adapting to my environment and figuring out what's going on and kind of going from there yeah and I imagine that if you were in the Mississauga and Brampton era you grew up in a pretty diverse area then yeah so um that was something that was almost like a culture shock to me so Mississauga, the area that I grew up in was Streetsville. This is um I would say like a, <laughs> a really white town. It was like all these hockey bros, like people playing and then it was me and my younger brother and we're like, Oh, okay, well like fit in. Like everyone was amazing. I loved yeah. being there. Um, but then we moved yeah. to like a place like Brampton and I come in and there's just everyone's like Punjabi, everyone's Hindu Muslim and I like, go, like, I went home after my first day, I was like, I was in grade five, and I was like, mom, I don't know how, like, I don't know what to do, like, I've never seen so many Indian people in my life, <laughs> and it was, it, it was so funny, so uh, I kind of had, like, the opposite when I um, went from being, I guess, um, growing up in a very white town to making a lot of friends, and then kind of finding a way to fuse, I, it actually, like, became, like, a fusion of South Asian and like my Canadian culture, which was awesome growing up. How was that like um, pushing those two together? I mean, it's, it, I'm sure it helped a little bit having people that already kind of fit that mold um, to maybe mm-hmm. model yourself after. But what was that like then, kind of fusing those two cultures together, and especially at like so young, but especially at five, you know? Yeah, so it was really um, weird at first because I was. A- I think just as like children in general, we're just trying to find the best way to fit in whatever that may be in our surroundings um, so it was really weird for me at first so when I was growing up in like the streetsville, Mississauga area, um a lot of it was just making friends on like a like When you're that young, it's such a like simple, like cute, like kind thing. Like Mm -hmm. you just kind of relate on a level. Like I like Barbies, you like Barbies. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) let's be friends. Exactly. So, but then growing up, and when I got to Brampton, it was a little more different because now these were people who like everyone's got their own personality now. Like there's high school cliques, there's middle (laughs) school, like all this stuff going on. But I think the best thing for me was when I kind of immersed into this um, fusion of culture it made me understand myself a little more because I'm that fusion of culture as well like I'm born and raised in Canada but my family comes from a Punjabi background and it's always something that I've been really close to especially like my parents my grandparents are all very immersed in the culture Um, so it was amazing to kind of get a, a place where I felt comfortable being myself like I, if I wanted to bring like roti and chicken curry to school it was fine because everyone else was doing it too so it really created oh, okay. a safe space for me to like be myself and kind of learn what my like culture was going to be in this kind of fusion uh, setting or like second generation person that I was. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to touch on something that you kind of brought up already um, when you talk about your parents separating. So. Mm-hmm. When we originally were talking to Jessie, she had sent us a really compelling email kind of giving us her background and explaining why she felt so passionate about her um, wanting to show more about mental illness and stuff, they should call her and, like, educate people more. So, I wanted to see how much she wanted to talk about But If you can go over your experience, and, like, how you have directly dealt with these things, and, um, you know, as it relates then to to being around a lot of south asian people or people from your own community and how that works out but yeah kind of why why you feel so passionate about this particular topic for sure so um like i mentioned my parents growing up um i think it's very like common in south asian culture for uh, people to get married and then if things go wrong or things aren't working out the way a marriage should be like it's not loving it's not caring a lot of people kind of suffer through it because divorce is something that's not or or wasn't as common right back in the day and for a long time my mom just kind of stuck through it she like my father was an alcoholic um his parents who we were living with at the time um they were very emotionally and verbally abusive sometimes physically as well but she just grown up with this idea that once you're married, that's it. This is who you're stuck with for the rest of your life, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And that was something she was dealing with. But what she, she didn't see right away was how much of an effect it was having on me and my siblings. So even though we were, I'm, I'm the oldest, I was um, probably between like five and like seven when the I guess, like, the brunt of it was happening. And then my siblings, um, my brother's two years younger, and my sister's a, um, a lot younger than both of us, um, once it started to have an effect on us, that's when she kind of saw, like, this really, like, this needs to stop. And that's where a lot of, um, I guess, my mental health issues started. So mm-hmm. I grew up in a place where at night I didn't actually sleep. Like, I would be hearing yelling. I, I, I don't remember getting a good night's sleep while I was living with uh, my father and his grand or, or my grandparents, because they're constantly yelling, constantly yelling at my mother, constantly yelling at each other, my dad would get drunk, and then he would start smashing things. So I lived in this constant fear. And even after we moved out, it was something that stuck with me. Um, I was very anxious all the time. Like if a loud noise or a pot fell, like I would be- end up in tears because I was so used to having those noises around me and then leading to something worse and I wanted to tell other people but um, my mom was she was now a single mother taking care of three kids and I didn't want to burden her with this and I was too scared to go tell her that um, I was suffering as well just because I didn't want could be I knew she was suffering so I didn't want her to have to suffer even more that's such a big burden for such a young person yeah it's really hard it's so sad that this isn't like like I don't think my story is like one of those one in a million things like this is right I've yeah. heard quite often with like um like other friends other family members they like a lot of people I know have lived through a very similar thing mm-hmm. um and, and even so like what after you said yeah so oh, I'm sorry like, even what you said <laughs> I wanted to say this before I forgot but um even the thing that you said about parents who stay in these relationships because they don't feel like they have another choice that mm-hmm. is a story that's exactly. not you it's, know it's just very like our culture has a lot of stigma around these mm-hmm. really weird things that it shouldn't so yeah like alive. women are supposed to just be there to take all this you know abuse like yeah. whether it is emotional physical or verbal but that's just kind of what is expected and you're not supposed to be able to do anything about it which is crazy like no one's ever questioned that before why is it just now being so weird so that was like my first sort of thing i guess facing stigma was like the stigma my mom faced when she was in this marriage and then after separating people were questioning her like why would you leave like why don't you go back and she's like i don't think you understand like they're they're like literally like they're beating us they're like we can't sleep we can't eat like we're living in constant fear that's not a place for children that's not a place for anyone mm-hmm. and she was strong enough like i'm really lucky that she was strong enough to kind of take that step and um like leave and put us in an environment where we could finally find a place of healing so it took a really long time but um like all well, my whole family like we we all kind of struggle with anxiety we struggled with depression but um we're like working through with it but even when like, I love my mom. She's a very open person, but I was always still scared to tell her what was going on because I didn't want her to think that I was another thing she had to worry about. Mm-hmm. And eventually, so I went through it. I was very quiet about it for a very long time. Um, got a little older, was in high school, and it's and that was when I thought maybe it'll get better now. I've been um, out of that environment, out of that, I guess, negative space for, like, Five or six years, I was like, okay, this is where I can start my healing. This is gonna get better, Mm -hmm. and for a while it did. I was doing really well, and then university came in. So I decided I wanted to go to Queens University, which was three hours away from where my whole family was. So I was gonna have to move. I was gonna have to live on my own, and. At first, I was super excited. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna be all- out on my own. My mom's not gonna be watching me. I can go <laughs> to party." I was like, "This is great." Um... And, like, the first month was awesome. I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I'm just out here, like, doing my thing. Like, I can be an adult now. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. quickly reality kind of set in. I'm like, oh, right, university, there's academics. <laughs> um, I have to take care of myself now. My mom's not going to come help me. She's not going to tell me, okay, maybe you've studied enough. You should go eat. Or maybe you should, like, go and, like, do something, go for a walk. Um, I had to do everything on my own. and. My family has always been such a big part of my support system. So when I moved away, I started getting um, a lot of anxiousness come back um, to the point of depression. So I was having depressive episodes, which is something I'd struggled with before, but never that bad. Um, my academics started slipping. Like in high school, I was always a straight A student. And then suddenly I was getting my first F or my first D and I was like, right. Oh my god, like this is the end of my life. I'm never gonna go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um and it just kind of <laughs> snowballed, like all these negative thoughts just kept getting worse and worse and worse. And then What were you studying? I, not that it really psychology. Um, well I was studying psychology. Oh, <laughs> <that's> <laughs> so funny. like I should have I should have known. It right. it was it's funny. always I was that reading then. about <laughs> these things. And I was like, Oh, I recognize that and I recognize that symptom. But I I'm fine, but I'm fine. We have cool. talked <laughs> about this so much. I literally uh-huh. had a conversation about this today with somebody else. Like, it's so easy to identify that in other people, but when it's you, it's like, No no no, this mm-hmm. is a different story. Exactly. And even when I got to the point where I was like, You know what, maybe I am depressed, I was like, But I like who do I tell? Mm-hmm. And I remember I came home for a few weeks and I I was kind of like tiptoeing around saying mom I think I'm depressed Mm. but I was just sitting there with her and I was like I don't know like I'm having these feelings and she's like why are you so stressed you're so young you have nothing to be stressed Uh, about." oh I guess you're right I am pretty young like I like I guess I don't have anything to be stressed about and then uh, even though I know she had like she loves me. She has the best intentions at heart, but it's, just she doesn't know what mental health is. Like right. uh-huh. Indian parents, they never grew up getting a mental health education or being educated about like sex ed or okay. how, like how to take care of your body, what, how, what you should go to the doctor for. This isn't stuff they know. Yeah. And because they don't know it, they don't pass that down to us. And so it was this really big gap and. I'd, I'd, like I'd watch movies watch TV and anytime someone had like a mental illness is it was always like a hush hush like don't talk about it um this person or or it was something that was stigmatized like this person's crazy look at like they're doing like malicious or evil things that like mm-hmm. nothingzzalu like they've got like, they bought, like <laughs> yeah. an evil eye like right. it was just it was never like a normal conversation it was always something that was stigmatized and just portrayed in a really bad way. So I was too scared to reach out for help. Um and it like it got really bad. It was to the point where I was having suicidal thoughts and like there were days where I didn't think I was gonna make it through. Mm-hmm. Um but then in the end, um I guess into my second year of university I was leading a group of um frosh like so I had a bunch of first years that um I was leading kind of touring the university with and we had a bunch of different presentations that we were watching and I saw, um, so I sat down with them on one of the presentations and it was actually a South Asian male. He was my age and he started speaking about mental health and he started talking about his own journey, how moving away from home um, had affected his mental health, how he didn't have a support system, um, how he was scared to tell people because of the stigma. And it just resonated with me. And it was like, Oh my God, like if this guy can go up there and, he can get help and he can get better, maybe I can too. And so (laughs) I reached out to a therapist, um, got in touch with my school like counselors and kind of that's how I started my I guess like process of healing. Wow, that's really like proactive of you. It's a long journey and so what I've always found is like I would fall off the wagon sometimes, like even though that was like kind of my turning point where I was like, I need help Mm and I'm I'm going to have to get it myself if I'm not going to kind of reach out for it. Like, cause no one else is going to notice kind of these things. Yeah. Um, it wasn't an easy process. So I started counseling and then I'd go to counseling for a couple months and then I'd be like, ah, uh, like, I don't really like talking to yeah. people about my problems. Cause I'm like, I had such a long history and like, it sucks to have to mm-hmm. go so over all times. that. And- yeah. 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 Then I tried medication, and then medication, it just messes with your body so much until mm-hmm. you find the right one. All the ones yep. that don't work for you, they, like, they really don't work for you. Yeah, Tiffany knows. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was like, I would go from like, um before I found the right one, but it would be like a couple weeks of just like throwing up, not eating, oh, sleeping God. too much, not sleeping at all, until finally I found one that worked for mm-hmm. me um such a long process but Uh in the end obviously like the results are much much better Mm -hmm. Uh right than the alternative for sure like you have to kind of go through that to know like what works for you just like whether you need therapy or medication or both you know like you won't know until like try it but trying is like the hardest thing to do (laughs) like just to start like the process is the hardest thing but Exactly. I mean, this. I guess this goes for both of you because I, I. It didn't take me as long to figure out my balance, but um. But I know that, like Tiffany, you also struggled with this a lot too. Is what do you think helped you guys? Was it just like being get, like trying to get over that hump of feeling like shit? You know those random days. But what helped push you through that to like keep trying and keep doing different things? Because I'm sure that can be really discouraging then after a while. Uh huh um anytime I would start like kind of I guess like relapsing or be like maybe this isn't gonna work maybe this isn't for me my friends and family would always be there um to kind of push me listen like it'll work out like we're here for you we're like we'll do whatever you need like I've the amount of times I've like called my friends in the middle of the night just bawling my eyes out and then just like literally just sitting there listening to me cry not even saying a word for like an hour. a lot of the time it was just having that support and knowing that no matter what they were going to be there and they wanted me to get better. It kind of made me feel like, Oh, I don't know why this happens, but a lot of the time we put a lot more value on other people than we do on ourselves. Absolutely. So if, like One of our friends is having a rough time. Like we're going to be there an in instant. Like if our friend's boyfriend is, rude to them or mean to them like we're <laughs> gonna beat him we're gonna defend him we're gonna make him back down to yeah. but if it happened to us we're like oh it's probably my fault yeah my it's not that said. big a deal yeah. yeah and if our friend does it we're like excuse me what mm-hmm. and so it was a lot of them just kind of like they had to be there and help me realize that it was actually something my friend said to me she's like i don't know why you always like put yourself down so much but she's like and so I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, and so she started putting <laughs> herself down in front of me. I was like, Can you stop? You're being like, Why yeah. are you so Like, obviously that's nothing. She's like, See, that's what you do all the time. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, <laughs> 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 like it, it. It really was like all my friends and like all the people around me and having a good support system and then kind of like rooting for me and mm-hmm. it made me feel like yes, I can do this no matter how shitty it is at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Tiffany, what about you? Um, I like to just disappear, um, whether it's in a movie or in an album that I love and then just sleep. Like I will let something get me so emotional where I cry myself to sleep Mm -hmm. or I just get so exhausted in my own thoughts that I, you know, listen to an album over and over and over again until I just get so exhausted that I fall asleep. Um, Mm -hmm. and then it just kind of the next day I'm like. Okay. And then I pretend everything's better for a little while until it happens again. Yeah. Um, And, like, it it works for me for right now. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So it's something that, like, I've realized that that's something that I need to do until I can find, you know, the right medication or even the right therapist. Mm -hmm. But for right now, like, I just let myself not do anything for, like, I give myself, like, especially on the weekend, maybe, like, 24 hours of just not doing anything. And just sleeping it off, crying, doing whatever I need to do, but not talking to anyone. So it's like the opposite. Like, I know that I have friends that are there for me, but instead I'll just be alone. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Before we start talking a little bit more about your work that you're currently doing, uh, I figured this would be a good time to do a quick break and do this or that. So this is a part of the episode where we play a little this or that type game that we have brilliantly named this or that. Mm -hmm. So, Jessica, we have five questions for you, Um, coffee or tea type questions, and you just have to go ahead and answer them. (laughs) (laughs) It's as simple as that, yes. Um, All right, daisies or dandelions? Mm, Daisies. Watermelon or coconut? Neither. I don't believe. Really <sighs> nope. <laughs> Blasphemy. There's one rule. You have to pick one. Yeah, that's the only rule. Okay, if I had to choose, I'll go with coconut. All right. Okay. Polar bears or pandas? <laughs> Polar bears. <laughs> a night out dancing or a night out karaoke? Is that a verb? Oh, definitely dancing. Uh okay. <laughs> nice. Tables or chairs? Yes. Chairs. I find them more. useful <laughs> Technically, you can use a table as a chair because you can sit on it. That's what I would pick. Table. I'm a really short person. <laughs> <laughs> I think we get more amusement of these questions, just like how did it, like yeah. the more of desire enjoyment. Okay, yay! You did it. You win. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> See, we put it all on the, the line. Yeah, we did it all on our own. up you lost. But tell us now what you were doing with Jack.org and the MHS, or MH Spotlight, um, and like For sure. how, um, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. And like what, 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 or oh my god, words, um what drove you to start your own movement with mental health spotlight okay so i'll start with um jack.org so um jack.org is a charity in canada canada that's dedicated to specifically youth mental health and so how this charity came about was actually um there was a student at queens his name was jack windler and he was kind of struggling with things that a lot of people and a lot of students especially struggle with like Balancing academics, balancing your social life, getting used to this new environment, making new friends in a place where you basically have to start over because it's a whole new group of people. And um, unfortunately, he he actually died by suicide in his second year at Queens. And so his parents, um, after this had happened, they had created, um, really it just started off with like a group of their friends and family and uh, Uh, family and friends of Jack who cared about him and wanted to help make sure that this didn't happen to other students. They started talking about mental health more openly, realized that a lot of the reason um, this happened without anyone kind of being wrong was because there's so much stigma around mental health that no one talks about it. Mm -hmm. And we created this um, charity and, By word of mouth, just by passion, by people who were interested in it, it rapidly started growing. And so now it's become a charity that's nationwide in Canada. Um, We have um, a few different programs that we kind of do. So there's a chapters program. So universities, colleges, high schools as well within Canada each have their own chapter that um, do events that raise awareness for mental health, um, raise awareness for the charity itself and help raise money to um, go towards um research or creating events or um, suicide prevention whatever it may be um they also do a a talks program so they send in speakers um to universities high schools to talk about what mental health is it's almost like a mental health first aid conversation Um, so that's what i'm uh, a part of what i do is i'm one of the speakers so um, my specific area is the Toronto area. So I'll go to the different schools and universities in the Toronto area, talk to students about mental health. Um, basically I let them know that everyone has mental health. I don't know why this isn't a conversation that isn't a part of every school school curriculum, but, um, we talk about sex ed, we talk about being physically healthy, but our mental health is just as important. So, um, it's an organization I truly wholeheartedly believe in they were really relevant on my campus at Queens because that was um the school that Jack had went to as well so um that's how I kind of got involved with them and heard about them and they've been growing so much and it's amazing to see all the work they're doing with the youth That's awesome uh yeah, we definitely so, need more of uh, that proactive. Uh-huh. Um, proactive organizations on university campuses yeah yeah for sure it's amazing to see kind of the conversation they're creating and so um the mental health spotlight came up to be so working with them Mm -hmm. i got a lot of exposure to these kind of mental health talks and um like what mental health is like different resources we can use whether it be like a general physician a counselor a therapist um, peer support like maybe an anonymous helpline um but what I realized was being South Asian being a second generation Canadian there was a lot more stigma in kind of different ways and a lot more barriers that not all other Canadians had Mm -hmm. and so that was kind of a gap that I had found and For me, it was I wanted to help be a part of the solution with with erasing the stigma. So it kind of went back to my story. So how I, um, like I mentioned before, how I ended up reaching out for help was I heard a South Asian male talk about his mental health so openly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, like this guy isn't afraid of like the classic, like, what will people say? Like, Mm -hmm. that's always like the biggest thing that comes back to with stigma in the South Asian society is, like, what are other people going to say? What are other people going to think? What is this auntie going to think? What are, mm-hmm. like, what if her like, child finds out and then tells, like, his nunny's brother, or, like, <laughs> just yeah. brother, like, what, like, yeah. who cares? What the Indian group thing. And it's unfortunate so, that that doesn't even yeah. just limit itself to, like, mental illness. It's, it's everything that is considered taboo. Exactly. And so, for me, the Mental Health Spotlight really is a forum um, where we openly share stories to create a safe space where talking about this is okay. And hopefully by talking about our mental health and mental illnesses openly, we can help erase some of the stigma in our community. Uh-huh. So I've worked with a lot of amazing people um, in the Toronto area, as well as kind of internationally. Now we've reached out Um, to a bunch of people and we've had people kind of reaching back out to us, asking if they can share their stories. Um, So every Sunday we'll post, um, we started off with posting one story, but we just got so much overwhelming, I guess, support and people wanting to share that now we're moving up to two stories every week. Um, And it's just people who are talking openly about their experiences. Um, They have full freedom to say whatever they want uh, whatever message they bring, um, everyone has a different experience and who can relate to it. So even if one person can read a story or see this post and be like, huh, maybe, maybe I can reach out and get help this way, or maybe mm-hmm. this is something similar and I should keep an eye on this. Um, I think that it makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. We, we have said this a lot where there is something very powerful about seeing somebody who looks like you, that comes from the same background, that there's some similarity in your journey that it allows you to not feel alone. So I exactly. think it's really important. Like, I think that was a big thing for me that I do like being South Asian. No matter where I went, I always felt a little bit different, mm-hmm. especially when I did grow up in like the, the wider neighborhoods, like Clean, the Queens community. Um. At my university, it is a very white place. Like, there isn't a lot of diversity, and I always felt kind of on the outs. And I was facing all these issues that no one else could remotely understand. Mm-hmm. Like, when I would tell my friends, oh, no, um, I can't post this picture on Instagram because what are people going to think that right. – I wore a crop top out and they'd be like, oh, what is wrong with me? You know, yeah. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. Like, it's just those things like that or, like, there's all these weird little perky things that happen and none of my white friends, no matter how much, they come over to my house and, like, hang out and want to know what the culture, like, they're just not going to get it. Yeah. Just at, like, the core, there's some things that you just can't explain that but- they're, like, these mm-hmm. nuanced things that you just pick up as you you're growing up in this community. Um, exactly. One thing I wanted to circle back to that I was just curious about is when you got older, did you end up confessing those hidden emotions about your childhood to your mom? Yeah, so now, like, I've graduated from university. I'm 23 now. Um, and I think my relationship with my mom just got better. I think I got to a mm-hmm. point where – um, like when I was younger, she was always like my role model, model, and I looked up to her. But now that I'm a little older, she's more of at like a friend level. Mm-hmm. And so when I did come back and I moved back home, because I was like, Mom, I don't want to live on my own yet. <laughs> Another weird thing in the South Asian community, we like never learn how to be on our own. Um, but I came back and I was like, Mom, um, remember when I was like acting out a lot? And remember when I was being like, like I was, I was a whole different person. Um, when I was dealing with my mental illness and when I was, like, off my medication, which a lot of people are, um, like, I was being nasty to my mom. Mm-hmm. And um. she was always like, I, I don't know what I did. I don't know what's wrong. Like, just tell me how I can help. And I was always too scared to tell her what was really going on. But I felt like I wanted to tell her just so she could understand me and understand where I was coming from. And so I opened up to her, and she... She was so understanding, and she's like, "Oh my God! Like I've been going to therapy. Uh, she like, fa- like I found out this is just something that runs in my family. Like my, so my mom suffers from anxiety, my grandmother suffers from anxiety, but just because of all the stigma, and no one ever, so it was, oddly enough, that each generation kind of kept on experiencing the exact same things, repeating some of the same mistakes, reaching out for help." not knowing what worked and what didn't um like all three of us we're all on the exact same medication now oh no way just, that's, yeah that's how our bodies are wired um uh, and it was just because we never talked about it um mm-hmm. uh, but if we did so much time I and mean, so like could have been saved like it, it's just amazing how much like just being open and talking about things can help uh-huh yeah absolutely um She's very open to the idea now. Like she talks about her mental health openly with at least me and like my siblings. And mm-hmm. so it's been it's been great to see kind of the change in her as well. Uh-huh. Yeah, wow, that's amazing. And again it just takes time. I think with age, as you get older, you're you're able to talk to your parents a little bit more and you're able to understand what their life was like or a little bit better. Because then like it's like you said, you stop seeing them as just a role model but you start seeing them as as people. Mm-hmm.
1: For Same. sure, like, it's
0: now, like, before, like, I, I remember my first year of university, my mom would call me, and, like, I remember being on the phone with her and being like, Mom, you don't need to call me every day. It's like, fine. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> for hours. Like, it's fine. And I remember her being so upset, and I was like, I don't understand what you And now, it's kind of the opposite where I'm like, I call my mom, like, all the time. She's like, I'm busy right now. Yeah. <laughs> I've got stuff to do. Yeah. Come on. I was like, so true (laughs) one thing that we another thing we like to ask all of our guests is we have a tendency especially when it comes to mental health because um not only is that an everyday battle but it's also an everyday battle to like yourself sometimes and so we like to take these episodes and kind of bring them as we're winding them down as we're winding them down Ask you what is one physical as well as one non physical attribute that you just love about yourself? I think physically, I absolutely love my hair. My mom gave me this luscious curly lock like lovely locks that I absolutely love and love to flaunt them. I love that um <laughs> I think internally it's always it's always harder for me sometimes um mm-hmm to say something that's more internal but um I'm loyal sometimes loyal to a fault but I am fiercely loyal for my friends Mm -hmm. my family if like my phone is always on like my door is always open if any of my friends or family even strangers (laughs) I get messages (laughs) all the time Um, like I'll get DMs through Instagram or uh, like a message on Facebook about like this is just something i'm going through like i'm always there to be a listening ear because i know like i know how hard it is sometimes to kind of be that person where you just kind of want to vent and not know who to go to sometimes mm-hmm. it's, like i'll i'll be that person for anyone who needs it so if you're somebody who is so focused on also well i don't I, that makes it sound bad but um let me your face if you're somebody who puts other people first how do you take care of yourself? Like what are things that you do to make sure that you're still looking out for yourself? Yeah, so that was something I struggled with for a really long time. Um I would always put people first regardless of what was going on in my life. Like there was times like I would remember um like I would be sitting in my room um bawling my eyes out because I was having a horrible day and then I would see my phone ring. And it would be one of my best friends. And immediately, I would, like, somehow, like, collect myself together, get on the phone. Mm-hmm. They would tell me about their problems. And, like, I, I would never have the heart to be like, I'm sorry, I'm having a really bad day right now. Like, I, I, like can we talk about this later? Can we do this later? Or can we, mm-hmm. uh, like, can we talk a little bit about me? I would I w- never was able to do that. But then it started having a very bad effect on me. I, like you have to take care of yourself mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter if you take like five minutes out for yourself or a couple hours or sometimes you just need like a day or a week mm-hmm. um and for me I I literally have to sit down and write down things that made me feel better um and so I have this kind of little poster on my wall it's like my little self-care web and it's got, it's a list of things that when I'm overwhelmed and when I like know that my mind is kind of shutting off on me, I'll refer back to these things. So and sometimes like little things, like I, like I love dance. I was a Bollywood dancer um, during university. I was a Bollywood dancer before. So sometimes I'll like, put, it'll be like take a five minute break, put on one song. Close the door. Dance your heart out in your room. This one song in front of a mirror, just like Mm -hmm. rock out and it'll just it'll make me feel a little bit better. Or it'll be like, I I love ice cream, so I'll pour myself a (laughs) bowl of ice cream and I'll eat that. And I love that idea because then you don't have to think either. You can just like look at it and it'll like tell you what to do. Yeah, really and idea. I think a, a lot of it, um, the other half was kind of realizing that your friends and your family are going to love you no matter what. Um, mm-hmm. My favorite quote um, is by Dr. Seuss. I love his books and read them all through it when I was little, but he said, um, those who mind don't matter and those who mm-hmm. matter don't mind. Mm-hmm. Sure. So if you're going to take time for yourself, if someone's like, are you serious? I need you right now. in the oh, End scheme of things, they probably don't matter. Those are going to be the people who are going to screw you over, who Mm -hmm. are going to use you for their advantage. But if you tell like your true best friends and your family, like, I'm sorry, I don't feel well. Like, I'm having a bad day. I just need some time to myself. They're going to be like, okay, you do you, do what you need to do. Let me know if you need anything, and I'll be here for you at the end of it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, this was fantastic. I'm so glad we finally. Did this? <laughs> it's been long yeah. <laughs> Please come back anytime. You're always welcome. You are Thank you guys you. so much for chatting with me. I love connecting with you guys. I love all of the podcasts you guys do. So many amazing Thank people you. out there. This world. uh oh, it's amazing. Place sometimes. <laughs> I know. It's yes. it's wild. I love like the connections that we've made with people and all these like minded, you know, men and women that we've met. It's been unbelievable. Um, definitely. Can you, for our listeners, let people know where they can find you on the internet? For sure. So, um, easiest way to access the mental health spotlight and myself is um through Facebook and Instagram. So on Instagram, we are the so T H E M H Spotlight, and on Facebook, it's www. dot com slash slash the M H Spotlight. Um, so that's where you can find all of, um, everything to do with our kind of mental health um, work, all the mental health work I do. Um, I collaborate with, um, a few hospitals, a few other organizations. Everything's kind of curated there. Um, as well for, I guess, my personal stuff, you can find me, um, on Instagram at Jesse Brars, that's J-E-S-S-I-E-E-B-R-A-R. And other than that, most of my stuff is online. I'm a writer with Brown Girl Magazine. So I write a lot of kind of mental health oriented, um, I guess, segments or articles that come out. So if you go to browngirlmagazine.com, you can check out all the other amazing articles by all of our writers. Um, It's a great space to find out um, from anything Bollywood to health, fitness, wellness, mental health. Um, mm-hmm. This magazine has it all. <laughs> Absolutely. We love those girls. This is awesome again. Have, thank you again, and have a great rest of your night. Thank you. You as well. Thanks so much for having me, guys. We hope you liked today's episode. Please help us spread the word in our movement to open these conversations that are needed in our community. Like us on Facebook at Chai Tea Party Show. Follow us on Instagram at Chai Tea Party. And on Twitter at Chai Tea Show. Email us with comments, conversation topics, compliments, or concerns at chai-teapartyshow at gmail.com. Cheers! <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I'm going to paint. Calibon.